On the prequel to the 25th episode, we're talking about black sails, learning about animal stories, and previewing Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Hello and welcome back to the t- prequel to the 25th episode of This Film Is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's a prequel episode. We don't have a full review this week. We didn't see any new movies, but we did just finish Black Sails, the TV, the Stars original, yeah, I believe, yeah, TV show. Uh, and I just want to talk about it for a few minutes because I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast. And I know people are still waiting for Game of Thrones, so we might be able to give you something to fill your time until the final season of Game of Thrones comes out, if you haven't already watched it. So let's talk about Black Sails. We finally finished it. All the episodes are out on Hulu, mm-hmm. if you have Hulu, uh, in America at least. In other countries, I believe it's on Netflix, some of them, eh, from what I understand. But in America, it's on Hulu. Uh, we finally finished it because we were waiting. We'd watched the first three seasons rather quickly, and then the, the fourth season just aired last summer, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it finally came to, or last fall maybe, it wasn't too long ago. Finally showed up uh, the fourth season so we could finish it off. And uh, that's a, a good show. It's pretty amazing. It's a great show. It's a really good show. Uh, and we're not going to give any spoilers or anything like that. Um, we just I just kind of wanted to talk about it for a few minutes and recommend it more so than anything. Uh, like I said, for one thing, to if you're looking for something to fill the Game of Thrones void, I don't know if there's a show much better yeah. than Black Sails. It, it hits a lot of the same, um, like, checks a lot of the same boxes, I yes. think, of, for stuff that people like about Game of Thrones. Yes. It's kind of a period piece. It's period piece. Um, it's really beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. The acting is really good. Yes. Uh, um, lots of moral ambiguity. Yes. Which is the biggest thing, I think. Uh, the thing that I find most interesting about the show is uh, the moral ambiguity and the moral grayness of mm-hmm. all of the characters. Right. The the way that you can hate a character one yeah. episode and then the next episode you find out something about them that kind of yes. makes you like that character. Yeah. And, and it changes even more over the course of seasons and mm-hmm. from season to season where some characters start. And this happens obviously in Game of Thrones, but I think I honestly think that Black Sails does it in a more nuanced and believable way at times. Yeah. With developing characters to where it tends to be in Game of Thrones, I've noticed, not all of them, but a lot of times our upstairs neighbors may be, are slamming around their children. Oh, I found out they have two kids okay. up there. So. so we'll do our best to hopefully that won't be in the thing, but or it, it'll be there, but hopefully it won't be too obnoxious. One of the things that, that like in Game of Thrones, when characters have arcs, uh, and not to spoil anything, but somebody, uh, and if, if, if you want, want Game of Thrones spoiler for one character, skip forward 15 seconds. But Jamie's arc in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. goes from a character we despise in the first season to a character we love, basically, yeah. in the later seasons, um, without getting any of the details. And he still has moments here or there where he, in later seasons, there's still things you dislike about him at times. But the thing that Black Sails does really well, I thought, was 
constantly everybody teeters on that line. Like, everybody teeters yeah. on that line back and forth between... Because they're all... They're, a lot of them are pirates. Other ones are, uh, like, business owners. And, and then even the people who are, like, part of the government, you know, or, or like, you know, like, uh, the governors and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, the political figures. Everybody. Now, there are some that are just kind of outright villains, and occasionally there's some that are just kind of outright good guys, but that's super rare. I don't know. I can't think of anybody who's an outright good guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there are some that are just like kind of villains. It's rare, but there are a couple and they're usually yeah. minor characters who are just there to like get a good satisfying death when they finally die. But yeah. like they're not major players. All of the major players like constantly teeter back and forth between you disliking them and liking them. Which is a really interesting thing, because like in Game of Thrones, you don't ever dislike Jon Snow. Yeah. Like, there's occasionally times where he does something, you're like, that's dumb, maybe, but not like actively like, God, that's not nice. Right. I mean, there are times when Jon Snow makes me roll my eyes, but I'm, I'm never like, oh, I wish he would die. Yeah. But every character in Black Sails has that moment, has moments where they teeter back and forth between you really rooting for them and really being like, holy shit, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Um, and it happens constantly throughout all the seasons, and it's brilliant. Uh, uh, to, to go off on the... So that's my favorite thing about the show, is the, is the characters and the character development over the course of the four seasons it ran. Uh, it's nice it got a wrap-up. It got canceled prematurely from how early mm-hmm. they wanted it to run, but they still knew it was the last season when they went into it, so they actually were able to wrap everything up. So there's a satisfying conclusion, in yes. my opinion. Um, it doesn't just end like Dark Matter or something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um, as you said earlier, it's beautifully shot. Like, holy cow. Um, some of the low light shooting they do in this show is just exquisite. Uh, and so even the even the sort of um, not so action oriented episodes where it's a lot more people just talking are still visually stunning where they're like sitting around candlelight and stuff and like mm-hmm. just gorgeous. And it's a lot of fun, like especially the earlier seasons are very swashbuckly and pirate adventure and just a lot of fun to watch. The later seasons get a little more... The stakes are higher. The stakes, in yes. In later seasons. The, like, the third and fourth season, stakes are definitely higher, and it's it's similar to Game of Thrones. You know, yeah. as you get towards the end of the storyline, things get more final. Mm-hmm. There's more finality in what's going on, so that uh, it's it can't be as, like, fun and... and and loose, kind of, as the earlier seasons can be. But I actually think uh, the first season was the weakest season of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the second season was my favorite, and then the other th- three and four are both just really good. Um, but the fr- if you try to, if you do try to watch it, give it some time. Uh, the first season is kind of hit or miss at times, from what I remember. I remember not loving every moment of it, but also liking a lot of it until I finally clicked for me. And then there was a big moment in season two where I was like, woof, didn't see that coming. And it got me and it was a big surprise and a fun surprise uh, and a very controversial episode for some people. But (laughs) But, I mean, it's kind of another thing. There's also really good and realistic representation. Uh, Yeah. 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 It's a very diverse representation because they are in the Caribbean where there's there's uh, there's there's slaves. There's Mm -hmm. there's, you know, Spanish uh, traders. There's all kinds of different people from all walks of life that kind of just ended up in this place as there were. Yeah. Um, So it's a very diverse cast. But it's also um, the characters themselves. uh, It's a very good representation as as from a straight white guy of sexuality. Yeah. In, in a show, and I think even more so than we ever see anything like this in Game of Thrones. You know, not really. Um, the, the sort of... 
I think it, it's maybe more human. Yeah. In black sales. Yeah. There's some really interesting relationship dynamics that form uh, mm-hmm. and that are revealed to us mm-hmm. um, that are kind of unexpected, but also, yeah, feel very realistic. Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. And it's, yeah, like you said, I think it's a really solid representation of some uh, sort of minority type characters. Yeah. So I can't recommend it enough. Black Sails, if you have Hulu, you can watch it for free. If you don't, it's on Amazon, but you got to buy it or whatever. Uh, or you can go buy the DVDs or Blu-rays. But yeah, go check out Black Sails. It's a delight. And uh, you got anything else to add, Katie? I went as Anne Bonnie last oh, Halloween. Yeah. We, did. we were so in love with the show last year, we went as pirates. Uh, Katie was Anne Bonnie, and I was just generic pirate, because I don't really look like... I didn't really... Not that, not that you look like Anne Bonnie, but... <laughs> Uh, you had a red wig, I so it worked out. I, but helped. like, I don't really. I could. I could. If I shaved my head, I could pull off Flint probably. Please don't shave your head. Yeah, but uh, every, nobody else has hair like me <laughs> in the show. They're either buzz or like bald, or they have like long dark. I need like a John Silver yeah. wig. But that is another thing that I'll say about this show. If you're into looking at pretty people, oh gosh, this is your jam. Everybody in the show is gorgeous. <laughs> like, whew, it is ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, it's that's probably the most unrealistic some, part of the whole beautiful, show. Some beautiful, beautiful pirates with yeah. great teeth. Every, everybody, <laughs> like from just everybody you run into, occasionally there's like one person who's like a some minor character yeah. who's like not attractive. Everybody else is just yes, supermodel, gorgeous. But you know, it's a TV show star, <laughs> so I get it. All right, let's move on to learning things with this film is lit. Animal stories. No matter what anybody tells you. Words and ideas can change the world. So, animal stories, mm-hmm. um, specifically in children's literature, yeah. which is where you the, see them uh, most. Right, so it's where you see them most. They tend to populate children's literature um, more frequently than they do adult literature. Yeah. Um, so, animal characters have been a staple in children's literature. Um, basically, since it started becoming a genre in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, Around 1900, turn of the century, um, that's when we started kind of formulating the idea of childhood that we have now. Um, So there started being um, a genre of literature specifically for children. It also started to be a little cheaper to print books. Yeah, so that's true. Um, before that, animal characters were a staple in fables, fairy tales, folklore, um, stuff that is now thought of as children's stories that were not previously thought of as right. children's stories. So they kind of made the jump over uh-huh. um, when children's lit became a thing. A thing. Um, children's authors have kind of leaned on animal characters for um, so long because it's been kind of a long-held um, thought that children respond better to lessons taught through analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, Winnie the Pooh right. stories feature um, Eeyore, right? He's kind of whiny, he's kind of depressing, mm-hmm. kind of mopey. Mm-hmm. Um, And the prevailing thought is that children are more likely to recognize those traits in themselves if they're presented through an animal character um, than if they're presented through a human character. Yeah. Right. I guess the idea is that, like, 
if you can't identify with someone if they're not exactly like you. Yeah. But if you see an animal, well, that's not like anyone. So yeah, you're not because I guess the thought could be that when you're seeing a care a person, mm-hmm. yeah, if they're not very similar to you. Right. Like, so if it's a boy and you're a girl or vice versa. Right, because kids get like that. Right. And and vice, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely more so in kids, but it's yeah. true of everybody. But, yeah. And, and, you know, or if they're, uh, yeah, well, a different ethnicity or whatever, it might not, nec- you might not necessarily identify with the mm-hmm. emotional Right, you might well. not be able to see that aspect of it in yourself, but if we've got, like, a dog or a cat, you might actually be able to recognize Because you're not comparing physically, you're just looking yeah. at the emotions right. or the, yeah. Uh, character traits, basically. Um, so there is some pushback now against that kind of idea. Um, there have been a couple studies recently that have shown human characters actually have a greater greater moral impact on kids. Hmm. Um, I mean, that kind of makes sense. You would, I mean, it seemed to make sense, but yeah. I didn't look too much into it because right. I felt like that was kind of maybe a discussion yeah, for for a whole like other discussion that we could have maybe yeah. on another episode at some point. Yeah. Um, so animal stories um, are divided into two main categories. We have fantasy animal stories and real animal stories. Um, fantasy animal stories um, feature anthropomorphic did yeah, i say it right i believe you said it right anthropomorphic yes. i just recently learned that i've been mispronouncing that for my whole life fun stuff um so they usually usually they feature anthropomorphic human-like animals um they talk sometimes they wear clothes they might live in human-like societies or family groups for example fantastic mr fox um the wind in the willows peter rabbit stories Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, yeah. Um, And like I mentioned before, those stories are usually used to teach through analogy. Mm -hmm. Real animal stories are kind of the polar opposite of the fantasy animal stories. Um, The animals typically don't talk. Um, They aren't human-like. They're the protagonist of the story, but they still behave like animals. So you have books like The Call of the Wild, Black Beauty, um, Socks by Beverly Cleary, not as well known as the other one, but it's a delightful, it's a delightful, cute book about a cat. Um, So those kinds of stories are usually used to comment on human behavior. And then I want to talk for a minute about another sub genre of real animal stories, which Uh are pet stories. Um, Probably the genre that most people are going to think of with this. Um, Pet stories are a little different. They typically focus on a relationship between a pet and its child owner, but the child is the protagonist. So in real animal stories and in fantasy animal stories, we have an animal animal protagonist. protagonist. In pet stories, the child is the protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have examples like Old Yeller, Shiloh. Sounder, Where the Red Fern Grows. Yeah, some of the most well-known. Of some of the most well-known, terribly depressing yeah. books you were forced to read in school. Because they always end with the animal dying. <laughs> oh, yeah. You pick out a book with a dog on the cover. That the dog is dying. going down. <laughs> so we have um, a little bit of a homework assignment. All a right. quasi-homework assignment. We talked about the different genres of animal story. So we have our fantasy stories, um, our more realistic animal stories, and then our pet stories. So I'm going to think about it while I'm reading the book, while I'm finishing it up, and okay. then while we're watching the movie, we can think about it again. Which 
genre of animal stories does Homeward Bound fall into? Hmm. Thinking it's been years since I've seen this movie. <laughs> I watched it a bunch when I was a little kid, but it's been years. And I don't recall. I actually know. I think I do. I think I know. You think yeah, you know? I think I know. Okay. Yeah, pretty sure I know. Well, we can talk about it on the main episode. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Cool. So that was learning things. And we learned, uh, what did we learn about today, kids? We learned about animal protagonists and children's stories. So now we're all better for having done that. <laughs> Let's move along to our fun facts about Homeward, or sorry, The Incredible Journey book. Left behind with family friends. Have a nice vacation. And far from their home. Three beloved pets take matters into their own paws. He's Shadow. Something doesn't smell right. She's Sassy. Cats rule and dogs drool. He's Chad. Get a life. Get nine of them. <laughs> yes. Um, Homeward Bound was added for the 1993 film. Yeah. And the Incredible Journey was moved to subtitle. The yes. book is just called The Incredible Journey. And the original movie is just called The yes. Incredible Journey. There was one in 1963, I believe, was the year. Yeah. Um, so the book published in 1961. Um, it's actually set in Canada. And oh. I believe the movie is like they're in a, America somewhere, probably. They're in like the Sierra Nevada mountain range. I feel like. Oh yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, somewhere um, on the west coast. Yeah, they're somewhere on the west coast, but the book is set in Canada. They're in like Ontario, I think. Okay. It's published as a children's book. Um, but author Sheila Burnford has stated that she did not write it or intend it as a children's book, which I think is interesting. Because hmm. like we alluded to before, you don't often see adult stories with animal protagonists. No. Maybe a, a few here and there. Yeah, but occasionally. But it, it tends to be more of a children's lit thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless it's something like a fable. Yeah. Or some of the, where like some of those story, older stories where it's uh, teaching a moral lesson about... Some of those definitely seem to be angled more towards, uh, nah, I don't know if adults is the right words, but mm -hmm. sort of teaching, at least back in when fables were originally sort of developed, I think like they would tell them to kids, but it yeah. was also sort of just like... Oh a, yeah, they were adult entertainment. Yeah, adult entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they those, were. Those two words can <laughs> join together have changed slightly <laughs> in recent in the recent uh, few decades. When you look back, they are pretty gruesome. Yeah. Some of them are kind of sexual. I, I don't know that, but I will take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, um, the three animal protagonists that are featured in the story are based on pets that Burnford and her husband once owned. Okay. Um, sometimes I've seen like different sources try to claim that this is based on a true story. I don't think that's factual. No. Um, I think they're taking the idea that she had Pet, these, three, these animals three animals and like kind of trumping that up. Vaguely inspired by real animals. Yeah. yeah. More like she was probably sitting around thinking, what would my pets do yeah. if they had to trek across Canada? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the book was not an immediate success. Um, it was a modest success, but it became much more widely known after that first film adaptation. Which only came mentioned. out two years, I believe, like yeah, two years after. Yeah, it was 1963, yeah. which I didn't know that there was another I didn't either. film. I had no I, idea. I, I had no idea until I was looking up stuff for this one, or for the new movie, and I saw that it was yeah. a remake, basically. Well, kind of, like a reimagining or whatever. But basically yeah. a remake. The book won the Canadian Library Association Book of the Year for Children. And it also won the ALA 
Ariane Award. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing it's something Canadian. Probably. Although ALA, that's American Library Association. So I don't know what that Uh, is. I have no idea. I don't know who Ariane is. All right. Um, I want to talk for just a second about the author because she sounds pretty badass. Um, She's Scottish. She worked as a volunteer ambulance driver during World War II. Nice. And she she has uh, several other books, um, but one other one of hers that I thought sounded interesting is a kind of a memoir. Um, It's called One Woman's Arctic, and she spent two summers um, kind of traveling around like way up north Hmm. um, on a traditional Inuit dog sled the name of which (laughs) I fear to try to pronounce Um, and she also assisted in archaeological excavations up there and she saw the migration of narwhals oh those animals I learned were real like not too long ago (laughs) And not just a meme. <laughs> nope, they're real. <laughs> so I thought that sounded pretty cool. Yeah. She sounds like a pretty, she was probably a pretty cool person. Yeah. And that's all the fun facts I have. All right, I have very few for the movie, so let's talk about those now. It will be an incredible journey home. Hey guys, wait up. Come on. Home is just over that mountain. Critics agree. Two thumbs up, say Siskel and Ebert. A masterpiece of family entertainment, says ABC TV. In the classic tradition of Walt Disney Entertainment comes Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Movie, uh, as I said, is a remake of the 1963 The Incredible Journey. It came out in 1993, this version, directed by Dwayne Dunham. Fun fact about that guy, he hadn't directed a lot of things that people have heard of, but he worked on Star Wars Episode 5 and Episode 6, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and he was actually the editor for Return of the Jedi, so... He's been in the, well, it wasn't the Disney family back then, but he's also worked on, he worked on a lot of Spielberg movies in, Mm -hmm. like, different departments. Uh, He worked on a couple of the Indiana Jones films and something else. Uh, So, if if you don't, if the last time you saw this, and you haven't really thought about it since you were a little kid, like, if the last time you saw this, you were seven years old or whatever, uh, the the, the voices of the three main animals are pretty well-known people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I forgot who they were, but I I remembered as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, But so Chance is voiced by Michael J. Fox. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sassy, the cat, is voiced by Sally Field. And then Shadow, the other dog, is voiced by Don Amesh, who's he's just an old actor. He's been in a handful of things. Uh, He's probably best known for Cocoon, the movie Cocoon. And he was also in Trading Places. Uh, Who was in that? Uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, I believe, movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Comedy from like the 80s. Um, this is one of his last movies before he passed away. But he has a he had a, a wise sage yes. voice. He was very old at this point. So <laughs> uh, this is one of the rare talking animal movies where the the animals' mouths don't move. And thank God yes. for it. I hate when they make the animals' it mouths move. It looks so weird. Whether they do it through and now this was I mean ninety three they could have done it through CGI, but it would have been a nightmare mm-hmm. to have, always have them doing that. This is at the time where it would have been more likely that they would have smeared peanut butter in their mouths mm-hmm. every time they wanted them to talk. Mm. Which, which, with from my memory, how many times they talk in this movie, that would have been impractical. Well, yeah, I mean, they're the three main yeah. characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, I thought that would be, yeah. It's, and it just makes, you don't need them to 
No, no, we don't need that. And I I really, I think that that might be one of the reasons this movie has had the kind of staying power that it has. Like, a lot of people remember it really fondly. They don't remember it as something, like, goofy. No, no, yeah, because it's not, and it's it's especially because... There's nothing dated about it in terms mm-hmm. of, like, there's no CGI. I mean, I'm sure maybe there's a little bit, but, you know, there's no CGI to be dated. There's not really, and they didn't do the weird, you know, it's just sort of a, just filming the, the the animals doing their thing. Um, and then really good voiceovers by very talented actors and actresses. So, uh, and finally, there's a scene, and I want to look for this, and I like when I find things like this, because before we watch the movie, I always mm-hmm. think it's interesting. There's apparently a scene, and it didn't say when it was. Where Chance jumps out of a car, is that like when they escape? I don't know. I don't. It's been so long since I don't I've seen remember it. that. But I, th- I have, think I have an idea of when it is, but I don't remember okay. that particular. Do you remember scene. roughly when it is? Closer to the end, I okay. want to say. So there's a part where he jumps out of a car, and there's the youngest child is in the scene. There's a young child in the scene, and apparently. Somehow, Chance causes the child to bang his head against the car door. Oh. And it happened, and it's it's so severe of an impact that the camera quickly pans away. <laughs> and <laughs> well, maybe I'm not thinking of the right scene know. then, because I don't think the kids were in the scene that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking it might be early in the movie then. So we know. need to watch for that. Yeah. So there's apparently <laughs> a scene where Chance jumps out of the car, and something involved in the process of him running away either he hits the kid or like the kid's holding his leash or I. I don't know, but huh. he pulls the kid and the kid slams his head against the door. And apparently they were like, oh, no, and like panned away very quickly. So I want to look out Yikes. for that. Um, that's that's it. That's all there was <laughs> I was hard pressed to find anything, which is weird. But because it's a Disney movie, I thought there would have been more or at least yeah. distributed by Disney. I don't know. They're yeah. their they're logos on on the poster. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I couldn't. Uh, wasn't a lot of info out there. I think this is one that is remembered very fondly by people who were kids when it came out. Yeah, and everybody else forgot about it. I, I mean, I, I don't know that I would make, maybe consider it like a cult classic. It's definitely not a classic in the sense of like the animated Disney films yeah. where it they were so prolific and like, because this actually also got pretty good reviews. Mm-hmm. I saw like Ebert gave it uh, two thumbs up and like a really good review and it had generally positive critical reviews mm-hmm. and, and people even saying, you know, even, you know, it might be a kid's movie, but parents yeah. and everybody, all ages will enjoy it. But yeah, I guess it's just something about it didn't hit in the same way as like, because this is what, a year, the same year as Lion King or? 93. Yeah. Or is that Aladdin? I don't know. what. I don't know which one it was, know. but you know, it's said, but it didn't, it's, it doesn't have the, the same cultural impact as yeah. one of the animated films. Yeah. But I, I think for, like you said, for people like our age who were, I saw this probably when I was five or six, mm-hmm. right in the wheelhouse of who this movie was aimed at, you know, that three yeah. to six age range, I would imagine. Uh, and I remember I watched it a ton when I was a little kid. Yeah, we had it on VHS yeah. and I used to watch it with my dog, <laughs> which is another reason that I'm going to cry like yeah. a baby when we watch this. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I, I have very fond memories of it from watching it as a child, but uh, I'll be interested to see how it holds up to a repeat viewing as an adult. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years. I, so I was probably 11 like the or something like I, it's been 15 years probably since mm-hmm. I've seen this film. And not even like parts of it on TV or anything. I, I don't. I don't remember the last time I saw any of this. So we'll see how it goes. But that's our next week's episode, Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey. 
Uh, you can read it quickly if you can find the book because it's not very long. Yeah, it's super short. Otherwise, go out and find. It's not streaming anywhere. You can probably rent it on like Amazon. Yeah, you can you rent it on it. Amazon. Um, every time I go to Goodwill, I see a VHS copy of it. If so you still have a VHS, if you still have a VCR kicking VCR, around, yeah. you could probably go <laughs> get one at Goodwill real quick and yeah. uh, go watch it. But yeah, we're gonna watch it and we'll uh, we'll be talking about it next week. So until then, keep reading books, keep watching movies, keep being awesome.